This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from Ringler Associates, the first name at Structured Settlements, helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by American General, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, the head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and once again, we're glad to have you with us. Well, we're fast approaching the end of 2014, and the Medicare Secondary Payer Act, better known as MSP, took center stage this past year when it came to impacting the structured settlement industry. And today on Ringler Radio, we're going to have an MSP year-end wrap-up. We're going to discuss some of the changes in CMS submissions, and we're also going to talk about the liability arena and discuss the often difficult job of guiding clients along what's been a bumpy and circuitous path. And to help me discuss all this is my Ringler colleague, Tom Blackwell. Tom is Vice President and Program Director of Ringler Medicare Solutions, RMS. And you can find out more about Ringler Medicare Solutions at RinglerMedicareSolutions.com. So, Tom, with that, welcome to Ringler Radio. Glad to have you. Thanks for having me back again, Larry. Good to be here. Super. Well, Tom, let's start uh, by focusing on the past year and all that went on with MSP, with the Medicare Secondary Payer Act. Give us a brief overview, if you will, and I know it's never easy to do it briefly, but try that. Give us a brief overview. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'll give it a shot. Uh, what I what I saw this year was about 10 things that I think were worth mentioning. Uh, first thing, of course, was the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2013. That was the Murray-Ryan Act. And in essence, what it did was uh, closed closed a loophole under uh, the way that the Medicare uh, CMS collects conditional payments and gives the states at, at the Medicaid level the ability to collect full dollar value. Now, most of us are used to going in to at the state level and negotiating some percentage based on the the size of the settlement or the the lack of the size of the settlement. Sure. And now it looks like Medicaid's going to be able to get full dollar value if they want to. So that's a that was a big hit to uh, plaintiffs and defense. Uh, Medicare uh, is changing the way that they're doing some of the reporting under the Medicare Secondary Payer Act. So now we're not going to have to collect, if it's not possible to collect the full Social Security number, we now can go ahead and just get the last five digits of the Social Security number and use that instead, move forward with our settlement and still be in compliance. That was a win for us. Uh, another hit was the uh, most recent uh, decision out of the Sixth Circuit Court, McCarroll uh, versus Livingston Parish Council and LWCC. Basically, this was a private cause of action brought under the Medicare Secondary Payer Act against the uh, defense, and they won. And this is scary because I think we've talked about this before, but this is scary because this kind of represents the first case that I've seen where a private U.S. attorney has successfully litigated a, uh, an MSP private uh, private cause of action, and 
this just seems like the real uh, this is going to be a real point of friction, I think, in the future. It, it, it reinforces how much detail we have to to pay attention to, all the detail we have to pay attention to when we're settling claims with a Medicare beneficiary, alive or dead. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of a a bad thing. Uh, one of the good things that happened was the uh, CMS withdrew their proposed general rule for uh, liability. Uh, future consideration of um, medicals in liability. So Medicare set-asides won't be mandated in the foreseeable future. But, uh, you know, we still have that responsibility to consider Medicare's interest. They're just not going to tell us how for a little bit longer. Um, another hit to us was the the fact that uh, Medicare Advantage plans have had made strides in several districts, we're looking at like the third, fifth, ninth, and eleventh circuits. They they all had favorable judgments and are now able to uh, recover their liens as if they were Medicare. So, you know, their their Medicare secondary payer rights are recovered by a private organization, a for-profit organization. It's quite a year. I mean, you talk you talk about yeah. the changes in the system and uh, having to bob and weave and and and. Constantly stay on your toes to be educated in the process. Uh, I'm sure that's Absolutely. what I'm sure that's what you guys at RMS are doing to help clients as uh, we try to muddle through this. Uh, it's 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 quite a challenge. Yes, we've so, got our list and we're checking it twice. <laughs> there you go. So, <laughs> I mean, the last thing there was one last thing though. There was a consolidation in the markets. We're, we're seeing a lot of MSP companies being bought up. And we're also seeing a lot of RFPs, changes in the panels for Medicare secondary payer compliance. Zurich, Liberty, AIG, ACE, Everest are just a few of the organizations that are changing their panel, expanding it, or making it smaller. And I think it's important for you know the, the, the structured settlement industry to keep tabs on what's going on there so that we're not... Uh, you know, out of out of compliance with whatever the uh, client's internal handling protocols are. No, no question about that. And if that. you want to know the, uh, if you want to know that, you just give me a call and I'll tell you all about it. Super, super. <laughs> and later on, we'll we'll give you the information as to how to reach Tom on, on those kinds of issues. Well, you know, Tom, recently the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency uh, made a ruling that will affect Medicare set aside uh, funding. So tell us about the uh, the ruling in the area of HCPs, what are known as hydrocodone combination products, such as Percocet and Vicodin, et cetera. How is that going to be uh, working for uh, all of us? Well, well basically, what, what we had here was a change in the schedule. Uh, this is now a, you know, this is a drug that is being... Um, you know, falls under the same category as like cocaine, amphetamines, um, you know, those kinds of drugs that have medical uses, but but basically are considered dangerous and addicting drugs so that they become a Schedule C2, which basically um, means it's much harder to get it. Uh, there's, there's more, the, the, the individual, the patient has to has to jump through some hoops basically to get those to get those drugs. Um, along with that change, uh, basically Medicare has decided that we're going to have to add some treatment anytime one of these Scheduled C drugs, any of these HCPs, are prescribed to ensure that the applicant or the the beneficiary is getting 
pain management visits at least four times a year. So in some instances, we've already got pain management in the MSA, sometimes not. And if we don't, we're, we're going to have to add that in. That's going to that's gonna raise the, the costs. Well, that's no question about that. So patients being treated with these, uh, they're going to have to provide pharmacy with all kinds of prescriptions, original prescriptions uh, for 30-day supplies. They, you know, I mean, it's going to be a uh, more of a hassle than, than, than maybe it's worth. And I, I guess what you're sensing is that uh, it's, it's going to just continue to get more complicated as we move through time. Absolutely, it's gonna it's it's going to affect it's gonna affect the pricing of the drugs too because one of the ways that the pharmacy benefit management companies like PMSI, Healthcare Solutions, uh, you know, eScripts, any of those any of those companies out in the workers' compensation industry, one of the ways that they are able to offer lower prices for their prescription drugs is through uh, savings through delivery. So if they right. can deliver. 120 days worth of a prescription drug, then, you know, they, they might be able to cut a percent or two off the cost. This is not going to be able to happen anymore because the doctor actually has to write a physical script for every 30-day um, prescription, and he can only give you three at a time. So you can get 90 days worth of prescriptions, but you have to go back to the pharmacy every time and physically hand it to the pharmacist. Well, I know obviously the administration of it all is more difficult, but we all also know the rationale behind all that. So uh, the, the abuse of those Absolutely. drugs has been, been really uh, tremendous and in, 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 in a negative way. Well, let's talk about uh, let's talk about changes to the workers' comp Medicare set aside submission rules beginning on January first, uh, two thousand fifteen. Tell us about the changes when it comes to the submissions and what's the impact going to be on the industry. Now, basically, because of this change for, for the HCPs, these hydrocodone combination uh, prescriptions, we're, we're now going to have to, to add more drugs. We're going to have to be more cognizant of what we're doing there. Any, any prescription or any and Medicare set-aside, excuse me, any Medicare set-aside that is submitted on or after January 1st, 2015, is going to have to add those four annual um, pain management visits. And that's going to run the, the MSAs up about somewhere between four and $8,000 a pop. So, uh, you know, that's a, a, that can be a pretty significant uh, amount of money, especially when, when you look at most of the allocations are only, you know, somewhere in the Sixty to eighty thousand dollar range. You know, we're talking upwards of six to ten percent of the actual value of the allocation. Well, you know, obviously we're going to that. That's going to mean increased costs, which is never a good thing. But when do you think the real exposures are going to start coming out? And what do you what do you mean by that when you say the real exposures? What I mean by the real exposures are whether or not what we're seeing in the industry is whether or not insurance carriers are going to continue submitting Medicare set-asides in workers' compensation under the threshold guidelines that, that Medicare provided us. It's a voluntary process to begin with. And basically, the the amount of time that it takes to get a Medicare set-aside through, uh, if there's any kind of development letter, is 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 kind of unpalatable to the to all the interested parties with regards to you know settling a claim. Right. So a lot of the carriers are basically looking at not submitting, coming up with their own internal thresholds and only submitting claims when they when they feel that 
Medicare submission in the voluntary process is um, appropriate, basically. Um, and that is going to create some additional um, exposures in, yeah. the, in the future, basically. There are obviously risks there for uh, the insurance carriers to make sure they're making the right choices and to do it the right way. You know, even though the uh, the system is voluntary, it seems to have worked, except for the time frame, as you mentioned, to t- it takes to get the turnaround and the approvals. Uh, it would seem to me that if they could somehow tighten up the approval process, the actual function of the, of the Medicare set-aside process in terms of putting these numbers together and getting these set-asides set up has worked pretty well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't think anybody would argue the fact that Medicare set-asides as a as a compliance tool works. I think I think where we as an industry kind of see the pushback coming from is the subjective nature, number one, the subjective nature of the review process. There's really no standard. Mm-hmm. You could produce an allocation for uh, you know a right knee replacement two times submit them both on the same day, and if they get a different reviewer, the numbers may come back wildly different, depending on who is actually reviewing it at the WCRC. Um, I think that's the big problem with it. And then also, there are instances where uh, it's, it's happening again now, where the WCRC is asking for unrelated medical records um, to, for, to a claim. We don't have any rights to unrelated medical medical right. records unless right. the plaintiff is, is participating, um, we may or may not be able to get that. And so what that ends up doing is delaying, 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 and who knows the the while that delay is going on, there could be an exacerbation of the condition. They're continuing to pay permanent total or uh, you know uh, temporary total disability. Um, yeah, you know, and the costs just escalate, escalate, escalate. It also. Um, the insurance industry has, has been forced in a lot of instances because of the delays to stipulate files. Um, and that's a probably a California term, but it's in essence where we close out the indemnity, but we leave open the medical. Yeah. And the problem with that is, you know, the medicals in most cases are just going to continue to grow and grow and grow and reserves are going to get bigger. But, you know, that's just what we had to do. If you don't submit the CMS under the voluntary process, you don't necessarily have that that impetus to, to stipulate the file. Well, you know, it's obviously a complex area, and it's a changing area, and you, yeah. you, you we're going to be seeing these kinds of uh, different approaches taken by the industry to try to you know accelerate either either the approval process or these alternative methods of trying to get the these issues dealt with. So uh, you're going to be a busy, you're going to be a busy guy, Tom, I know, and trying to help deal with all this over the next few years for sure. And we can, we can hope. No, no, yeah, no question. So (laughs) let's, let's look uh, briefly here at the liability arena. I think you mentioned earlier that one of the, uh, one of the year's uh, events was that the, uh, there was a pushback or, or, or a postponement rather of, of implementing any rules on liability, uh, Medicare set-aside type approaches. Uh, and tell us about that and what's coming down the pike in liability. Basically what happened was CMS withdrew their proposed general rule for the consideration of future medicals in liability claims. Um, in essence, the liability workers, uh, the liability Medicare set-aside. Um, we're not sure why they, they withdrew it, but we, uh, 
were a little um, a little surprised by that in that um, Medicare had been moving forward very quickly to, to, to make that happen. Um, basically, it, the, the withdrawal of the uh, proposed general rule was good, I think, for the industry in that it allows us to continue to do, um, in good faith, Medicare consideration and liability claims with a certain amount of leeway, which we don't have, in workers' compensation if we intend to use their voluntary review process. So it's a, it's a good thing for us that, that this has happened. We still have some wiggle room. And wiggle room is always good, that's for sure. Well, yes. let's take a quick break right now, and we'll come right back in a minute here on Ringler Radio with the director of Ringler Medicare Solutions, Tom Blackwell. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates, the leader in the structured settlements profession nationwide. Did you know that Ringler is involved in a third of all structured settlement cases in the country? Ringler Associates works with all the parties in a lawsuit settlement to find the best possible financial solution for the people involved. There's a Ringler Associate in all the major cities of the U.S. No one has more experience than a Ringler Associate. Check out our new website at www.ringlerassociates.com for the best information for claimants, legal professionals, and claims personnel, and to find the Ringler Associate nearest you. When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best financial plan. You can count on Ringler Associates to structure a customized plan that meets the needs of you and your family for the future. Visit RinglerAssociates.com to learn more. Welcome back to Ringler Radio, everyone. Uh, glad you could join us. I'm Larry Cohen, your host, and I'm joined by my special guest, Ringler Associate and colleague Tom Blackwell. Tom is the Vice President and Program Director of Ringler Medicare Solutions, better known as RMS. And, uh, Tom, tell us, how does RMS assist in expediting Medicare set-aside services to the clients? Well, basically, we use um, kind of a a one-on-one boutique approach to Medicare compliance. So, in essence, what that means is we are spending a little bit more time confirming that there is a Medicare exposure to begin with and do we need to do this process. And then once we've identified that, yes, we do have a we do have a Medicare exposure, then at that point, we're using the the MSPRC portal. We're using the, the CRC portal, um, all of these, all of these electronic methodologies to um, submit conditional payments and Medicare set-asides and workers' compensation. Um, we also, we also discuss with our clients in some instances when, when it's appropriate to submit a claim to Medicare for review and approval and when it's not. Um, sometimes clients want to submit all of the Medicare set-asides. And obviously, there are thresholds of there for a reason, and we don't have to go through that process. And we, can, we can get that done in a, in a much faster um, time frame if we, if we all know what the, what the base rules are. So we kind of go at it from that perspective, an education perspective. Well, that's that's always a good thing. And uh, 
This question, Tom, may be one of those unfathomable, one of those unsolvable kinds of questions, but how do we keep Medicare happy? I mean, is that even possible? How do we keep them happy, and how do we keep them away from uh, from the clients? How do we how do we do that? I think there is an answer, Larry, um, and I may be wrong, but I, I think I'm right. So here we go. The bottom line is, is that we have to pay attention to the details. If we look at the statute, the, the USC 1395YB, and we look at the Code of Federal Regulation 42 CFR 411, and we, we look at, at, those, at those statutes, which are broadly written and broadly interpreted by Medicare, but if you, if you use a, 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 pretty, a pretty narrow interpretation of it, we have to, as, as interested parties to a settlement, plaintiff for defense, have to give consideration to Medicare's interest in two situations, for past payments and future payments. If we give that consideration and document it within the settlement documents, that we have done this process. Um, there are a ton of legal es- experts out there that really believe that Medicare doesn't have the statutory authority, especially in liability, to come back post-settlement and tell you you didn't put enough in, you didn't do it right. Um, all the statute really is saying is that you have to do it. So I think that if our clients take the time to document their files in, in the best situation, have a, a written handling protocol if it's an insurance carrier or a large self-insured, and use those, use those processes in a consistent method, I think we can keep Medicare away from us. Well, that's, uh, that's quite, a, quite an encouraging way to put it. Uh, I think that's good for all of us to hear that. Uh, it's not an easy task, and, and boy, that – you know – I don't have to say this, but the, the, the government bureaucracy that is, Medic, that is Medicare is uh, never an easy tiger to tame. So what is, what is 2015 going to bring uh, in this arena? I think that uh, we're going to see more private cause of actions like the McCarroll case um, start to, to filter up. This, is, uh, this, was a, this was at least the way that I read it and the way that I that I saw it, this was a very, very smart and calculated uh, case. And, you know, it, it, it basically means that in 2015, I think we're going to have to get back to basics in terms of insurance carriers and large self-insurers in terms of paying attention to the detail because the devil and God are in both of them. And if we miss something, whether it be, you know, an unintentional omission or a purposeful attempt to uh, not, not comply, it doesn't matter. According to that court decision, the, the fact of the matter is that it happened and that these private cause of actions can go forward, which in essence is going to, if they're, if they're successfully litigated and it are, are, you know, are the defense ends up paying again for the conditional payments. Um, I'm not sure how that would affect the, the, our, our plaintiff clients because, you know, if, if they're missing things like the conditional payments, I don't know what their, what their, uh, uh, liability would be for, for that in case the, you know, the beneficiary did lose their, their Medicare benefits, but I got to believe that there's, there's some stickiness that even our plaintiff 
clients are going to be wanting to avoid. No, no question about that. And I think for any any of our listeners who want to get more of the detail about that case, uh, Tom, in a, in a second, I'm going to give them uh, the opportunity to be able to get in touch with you where you can provide them yeah. with some of those details on that case because it is obviously a bellwether case that could uh, really affect the process moving forward for all of us. So with that, uh, Tom, I want to thank you. It's uh, very always encouraging to hear some of your upbeat feelings about the future, but you know we all have we're all tempered with the reality that we're dealing with uh, Medicare and the bureaucracy. So I appreciate your point of view. So if someone wanted to get a hold of you, Tom, how would they do that? Uh, they can reach me on the uh, Ringler Medicare Solutions website at uh, RinglerMedicareSolutions.com. They can call me at. 727-439-0939. That's my direct line. It's on 24-7. Or you can email me at tblackwell at ringlerassociates.com. And I look forward to talking to you anytime. Well, that's terrific. That, to have that, a resource like yourself and your folks uh, is, is certainly tremendous for us at Ringler Associates as we plow through this Medicare morass. But I think uh, for any of the lawyers out there, other listeners that are that are listening to this, claim individuals, they want some insight. Uh, you know where to go now. You can you can get a hold of M- uh, RMS and and with Tom. And with that, I want to tell you that you can reach any Ringler associate on ringlerassociates.com. Uh, I encourage you to go to the website. There's a lot of information about Medicare set asides and everything else on that website as well. And Ringler Radio shows that have spoken on this topic. Tom and I have spoken about this arena uh, many times, and we've had other guests as well. You can reach all those and find all those uh, radio shows on ringlerradio.com, ringlerassociates.com, or legaltalknetwork.com, and or you can go to iTunes and download directly onto your uh, iPhone or iPad, whatever listening device you have, and then you can uh, listen to Tom Blackwell as you stroll through the park. And that must be fun, right, Tom? Yeah. Well, listen, <laughs> with, with that, with that, Tom, I want to say thank you again for joining me today. You've been uh, terrific, and I appreciate your input. Thank you so much for having me, Larry. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, and uh, it's pleasure was ours, I'm sure. And uh, for all of you out there listening, I want you to all go out and have a great day. Bye-bye. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio with over a million listeners. Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements. Visit ringlerassociates.com today.